I'm still riding high from last Sunday. Gosh, everybody I'm talking to, I'm telling them, you need to watch that sermon. Isn't that great? Just so powerful. True life testimony changing. Great stuff. Thank you, Lord. You know, that's what Christians, that's what makes us excited when we see other people's life changing. Because we know we've had that experience, but we get so excited when we see other people having the same experience, meeting with God and their lives being changed and being full of the Holy Ghost, it's just so awesome. Praise the Lord. All right, well, I want to pray for you this morning that you would be able to hear what God is saying and be able to receive it with the revelation that it will be given today. All right, so let's pray. Father God, we depend upon the Holy Spirit this morning to give a supernatural recall. Think through my mind, speak through my lips, bring to remembrance that which we have prepared, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to give every person here minds to understand, hearts to believe, and a willingness to enter in. I pray, Lord, that they would be alert to the revelation that you're going to give them today. And so we depend upon you, Holy Spirit, to break the word of life to us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 All right, well, um, <clears throat> I'm going to be sharing some scriptural truth with you today, and honestly, it's going to sound like science fiction. I'm going to show you from the scripture how that God and Jesus operate in their power and their authority, and how they exercise that authority. So what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be looking into the ways of God, how God does stuff, all right? And then we're going to look at how the apostles and disciples in the early church, the beginning of the church, and the Christians, how that they exercised, operated in the delegated authority given to them by Jesus, given to us, how do, they, how do they release this power and authority? You see, we all know that God gave it to us. The problem is we can't get the money out the bank. We struggle to get this to function in our life. We see it in the book, but we go, well, how come the devil is kicking me around so much? How come I'm having so many problems? How come there's so much sickness? How come there's financial issues going on and all this kind of stuff? It's, it, I know I'm promised victory, but it seems like I'm the last one to get it. Somewhere, somehow, it's not working. I, I can't get it to work. Don't raise your hand. Just say, oh, me. So we want to give you some revelation today from the Scriptures that will permit you to walk in victory in every area of your life as God intended. There's not an area that God said, okay, this particular area, no, I want you to fail. I really don't want you to succeed. 
He wants us to succeed at everything, right? All right, so that's what we're going to be looking at. So uh, included in this teaching, we will be looking at how you can dominate demonic powers that harass you. So it's not, don't think that the teaching is all about demons. We're not looking for demons in doorknobs. All right. Yes, there are, and they do harass. But there's so many other things that we need to look at. But part of, part of ruling over the demonic spirits that harass you is this teaching. This is, this is the heart of it. This is where we get the power and authority from. Understood? But the same power and authority is used to overcome sickness, to overcome financial problems, anything that you're facing. So we, we, we need to have a look at, at how this thing works. And I want you to stay alert. Ask your neighbor to pinch you as often as they need to during the service, okay? Uh, <clears throat> and the reason is this. If there was anything that Satan could get you to be distracted from and for you not to grasp, it would be this message. So it, so it is a life-changing message, and it will be good you know, for you to grasp it and to be able to live it and walk in it. So Satan wants to do everything to distract you. So we've done everything that we can in the spirit realm to try and prevent that. Okay? So now <clears throat> I'm building upon what I've been sharing for the last two weeks. So if you were not here for the last two weeks, I really encourage you to go back and to listen to those funda- fundamental teachings. But just to lay a little foundation for those who were not here, um, I want to go back and talk about the authority given to Jesus. Now, we all know that Jesus was given all authority. Yes? yes. Amen? All right, so let me give you two quick scriptures. Found, the first one is Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority. How much authority? All. Say it one more time. All. all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So if Jesus has all the authority, somebody else has none. Yeah? And who has none? But he's lying to you, thinking, trying to get you to believe he has some. But he doesn't. Jesus said he has all. And then verse 19, he says, go therefore, or therefore go. Why does he say therefore go? Because he has all authority to be given to him. So he's sending us in his authority. It's called delegated authority. Because I have authority, I say to you, go. Go in my authority and make disciples of all nations. Right? That's what he's saying. Now, in Ephesians 1 and verse 20, which he exerted, I'm, I know I'm just having to cut this verse down a little bit, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now watch verse 21. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Not merely above, not on the same level, not just underneath, but he said far above. If we say far above, and notice the word all, okay, just notice that word. I looked it up in the Greek, guess what it means? There you go, that's what it means, it means all. So he says far above all rule and authority and power. There it is, authority and power and dominion. And every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So clearly, and we could give many, many scriptures to verify this, 
this doctrinal truth, that would be sufficient, that amount of two witnesses. Now, Jesus delegated that authority, the all of the authority that he had, he delegated that to us. So we're operating in his authority. I'll give you two quick scriptures. In Luke 10 and verse 19, Behold, I give you the authority. There it is. To trample on serpents and scorpions. Now, he doesn't expect you to go out barefoot into the field. That's not what he's saying. Um, it's clear from Scripture, and even from this verse, that the serpents and scorpions he's speaking about is symbolism for demonic spirits. That's what it is. How do I know that? Because actually he goes on to say that. He goes on and he says, And over all the power of the enemy. Over how much? Have we noticed how many times the word all comes up? There's no half measures with God. So he said, I've given you this power authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So that's the plan of God. Can you see that? That's the plan of God. That was Jesus saying, nothing shall by any means hurt you. So if something is hurting you, you know it's not the plan of God. If something is causing harassment and pain in your life, you go, whoa, whoa, Jesus said nothing going to hurt me. That means we have to resist it. We have to come against that thing and say, well, this can't be the will of God because Jesus said, ain't going to hurt me. Let me give you another scripture. It's found in Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus said to them, go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. One more time, to all creation. Now notice what Jesus says. He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So we are sent out into the world on the authority of Jesus to share the gospel, the good news that Jesus died on the cross, took our sin, shed His blood, was raised from the dead. This is the good news. We preach the salvation through Jesus. You believe it and you get baptized in water. And whoever believes and is baptized shall be what? So you see, saved is a Bible word. We didn't make it up at the promise. When we say, are you saved? And you go, what do you mean am I saved? From what? Well, Jesus said that if you believe on him and baptize the water, you'll be saved. So if there's something going to happen to you, you're going to be saved from hell. You're going to be saved from your sin and the consequence of sin. All right? You'll be saved if you don't. But what happens if you don't believe? What does the scripture say? You'll be what? So that's a tough call, isn't it? That's a tough call. But we understand that that is reality. That is what Jesus said. It's a knife edge. You're either on the left or the right. You're either in or you're out. All right? You're either baptized or you're not. You're either saved or you're not. See, there's only two kinds of people on the face of the earth. Only two kinds. Saved or lost. That's it. Nothing else matters. Skin doesn't matter. The language you speak doesn't matter. Where you're born, what nationality, doesn't matter. You're either lost or you're saved. And these signs will accompany those who believe. So now these who are believing disciples, that would be us. Can we say amen? That's us. Watch what Jesus said is going to happen. These signs are going to accompany us. In my name, there's the authority. It's not our name. It's in His name they will drive out demons. Isn't that so strange? The very first thing Jesus says is Christians are going to cast out demons. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you 
know other Christians who cast demons out? Or how many of you have been to churches where they don't want to cast demons out because it causes a fuss? And people leave church when they try and cast demons out. They go, whoo, what are you trying to do? That person only needs to see a psychiatrist. Those voices they speak in is just they need to take medication. You can't medicate a demon. You may dull the senses of the person, but you ain't going to medicate the demon. It's going to stay there. He'll be frustrated with the body that he can't work through. They'll drive out demons. The next thing they're going to do is speak with new tongues. That's not new languages. That's not if you're uh, American, now you're going to start speaking German. No, it's not talking about those new languages. It's talking about speaking in tongues. It's talking about speaking in the heaven language. It's talking about speaking in a prayer language that communicates with God on God's level. Unique to you and God. The devil doesn't understand it. Just God does. You don't understand it either. So that's the new tongue right there. The very second thing that Jesus says we're going to do. It's amazing how often the church, the Christians, will come against Jesus' direct instructions. No, we don't cast demons out in our church, and we forbid talking in tongues because they've been they've passed away. Now they will pick up snakes with their hands. Now, please. Okay, don't be doing that. Don't be doing that. But hey, if a snake bites you, if a snake bites you, then you take authority over that poison. And you say, no, no, no. Okay? But don't prove how much faith you got by going to the zoo and putting your hand in the snake pit. You might go, oh, hello, Jesus. What am I doing here? And if you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. Again, don't be proven this. But you know, you need to be able to use that kind of faith when you go to restaurants. Yeah? And he says, it won't hurt you. Won't hurt you at all. Then it says, you'll place your hands on the sick and they will get well. So these are the instructions given to us. This is how we operate in the authority given to us by Jesus. We lay hands on the sick and we expect him to get well because Jesus said so. All right. Now, how does God operate in his power? How does he release his power and authority? So let's have a look at the ways of God. Now, the first place we want to go to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, very first chapter, very first chapter, verse 3, God said, let there be light. Let there be light. And light was. Okay? Well, we know when God said it, the Bible says it was dark. There was no light. There was no sun. There was nothing. Right? It was just real dark. God didn't look out and go, whoa, it's dark out there. Because <laughs> we'd still be in darkness now. Okay? He said, light be. So he called what he wanted. He spoke what he wanted. He created what he wanted. He didn't speak about what was there. This is how God operated. He didn't speak about what was there. That's okay. She can cry. She's my grandbaby. She can cry. You stay in church with her. That's fine. Favoritism. That's what it is. I'm not distracted at all. 
All right. Light B. Do you know that 10 times in the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis, 10 times God says, God said, let there be. God said, let there be. And there was. So how did God create in the beginning? He spoke it out. He spoke it out. Everything God created, everything was spoken into existence, except for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were created or formed from something that already existed. See, Adam was made out of the dust that God had already spoken into being. And he took the dust and he formed man, Adam, out of the dust and called him red, Adam, dust, mud. And then he made Eve out of Adam's rib. Remember, he put Adam to sleep, let him sleep. Then he took the rib out, made the woman. Since then, no one has slept. <laughs> but Eve was made from Adam. And Adam was made from the dirt. But the dirt was spoken into being. So when God wants something done, He speaks it into existence, or He uses man to speak it into existence on His behalf. If you're making notes, that might be a good one. If you're writing something down, that might be a good one to write down. So when God wants something done, He speaks it into existence, or has man speak it on his Look at Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11. So is my word, and we say word, that goes out of my mouth. So that would be speaking. Those would be words going out of his mouth. He's speaking. This is, this is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Notice when he speaks, he considers it sending it. So when God speaks words, He sends them on a mission. His words have mission. They have purpose. They're filled with faith or love or healing or creation. He sends them on a purpose. He never speaks words without purpose. So He says, the words that I speak, the words that I send, will never return to me empty or without accomplishing the purpose for which I sent it. Now, God also gives words to men to speak on his behalf, as I said. He put words into the prophet Jeremiah's mouth to accomplish his plans. God wanted something done in the earth, so he put his words into Jeremiah the prophet's mouth so that when he spoke, God's plans would come to pass. Let's have a look at the scripture. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9. Now I have put my words in your mouth. And we're looking at how God operates. Remember, that's what we're trying to find out. The ways of God. It's very important to understand the ways of God. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. How did God expect Jeremiah to uproot, to tear down, to destroy to overthrow, to build, and to plant. How did he expect him to do that? With the words that God put in his mouth. I'm going to put words in your mouth, and when you speak these words, you can uproot. 
So, words can uproot unforgiveness in people's lives and hearts and bitterness. Words of comfort and love and encouragement can uproot. Got it? So he gave him said, words, you're going to uproot with words. And then you're going to tear down. And so many people have walls around their life, like Jericho walls. You have walls around your heart and your mind. And you don't want to let people into your life. You don't want them to see the real you. Words can tear down those, wall, those walls. Words can uproot. Words can tear down. He said, I'm going to give you the power in words to tear down. And then he said, to destroy. To destroy. See, how many of you would like to destroy the works of the evil one in your life? Well, Jesus came, the Bible said, to destroy or to undo the works of the evil one. He said he came to do it. So now the evil one comes up like risen out of the dead, won't stay dead, and comes back to attack you. And you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got words to destroy your works in my life because Jesus already did it and he's given me words to destroy what you're trying to do. To destroy. He said to overthrow. You're going to overthrow a few things. Yeah? Overthrow a few things that are getting out of hand in your life. You go, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I'm resisting that. I'm stopping that. I'm not allowing that to overthrow me. I'm going to overthrow you. I'm going to speak words out to stop what's going on in this life. I'm going to stop it in Jesus' name. And then to build or to plant. You see, words build people. They bring life to people. And words are seeds. He said you plant. You use words to plant. You plant seeds into people's hearts and lives. See, last week when we heard that great testimony uh, sermon, seeds of life were planted into our hearts. Seeds of hope. Seeds of hope for people that we know and love that were having, or having difficulty or, or addicts or something like that. Seeds of life went in, planted in our hearts. And we're going to water those seeds and they're going to grow up. And guess what? They're going to overthrow. They're going to destroy. They're going to uproot and they're going to build. Aren't they? Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's what we're planning on. That's, and it came from words. God, God put the words in Jeremiah's mouth. So God uses words to bless. And when God has blessed, man can't turn around and stop it. Understand something, man can't turn around. God has blessed you. Satan can't curse you. His words will fall to the ground. His words will fall to the ground. Listen, he may try. The only success Satan will have is if you believe the curse. But if you believe, no, no, God blessed me, you can't curse me. You see, Balak tried to get Balaam, the prophet, to curse Israel. Because he, he, as a king, was afraid of Israel. But God wouldn't permit it. See, what does the word curse mean in Scripture? It means to speak evil of. Just to speak evil of. See, you can curse yourself by speaking evil of yourself. You can say that you're no good. You can say, my child's never going to amount to anything. You can say stuff like, I'm going to lose my job. Sure as nuts, I'm going to lose my job. You can say, this car I bought's the old junk heap. It'll listen to you because you just cursed it. See, when you speak evil over something, it's a curse. It's not that you have to use the devil's names or God's names and come up with witchcraft type of thing. No, it just simply speak evil over. That's what it is. And so um, Balaam wouldn't do it. And Balak was trying to get him to do it. So 
Balaam goes off to talk to God. In Numbers 23 and verse 16, the Lord met with Balaam, this is the prophet man, and put a message in his mouth. Where did he put it? What is the message? Words. He put words in his mouth. And he said, go back to Balak and give him this message. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He says, I have received a command to bless. He, God, has blessed and I cannot change it. Blessings of God can't be changed. But look at what God says about himself through the prophet. He says, I'm not a man that I should lie. If I speak, I'm going to do what I said. And you see, the wonderful thing about God is that when He speaks, it's immediately accomplished. It's immediately accomplished. It's not going to be reversed. Nothing can change it. Once He said it, it's done. It's, it's accomplished. God solves His problems and man's problems by speaking to them. Let me give you a verse. Psalm 107, verse 19. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. Verse 20. He sent His word, and He healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. So when they cried out, what did God do? Sent His word. And His word healed them, and delivered them from His destruction. So God solves His problems and man's problems by simply using words, by speaking words of deliverance and healing. Now, here's a great scripture we all know and we love it. It's found in Luke 1.37. We all know the scripture. We love it. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Right? Say that with me. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And I'm sure you've got this on your mirror at home, you're in the car, everywhere you use it all the time. But I'm going to give you some insight to this scripture that maybe you haven't seen before. So, I delved into the Greek for this word. And I looked up the word nothing. And I bet you think I'm going to say it meant nothing. But actually, no. There's three Greek words that encompass that word nothing. That nothing covers three Greek words that were used in the original. One of the Greek words, one of them that was used is the word rhema. I bet you that surprised you. Now, rhema means this. It means a spoken thing, a word or saying or a command. That's what it means. So in that word nothing, when he said nothing is impossible, the word rhema is used. There's three different words are used. And rhema means a thing spoken, a word or saying or command. <clears throat> well, wouldn't you know that the Amplified Bible got it right? The Amplified Bible. Let's have a look at what the Amplified Bible says. Look at that. For with God, nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. So when we read that verse, nothing's impossible with God, I think we should read the Amplified Version. Because it brings out the Greek word found in the word nothing. So now we can say, well, nothing is ever impossible with God, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. The new NIV says this, no word from God will ever fail. That's good too. 
No word from God will ever fail. But that doesn't sound like, for with God, nothing is impossible. It's a completely different take on what's in, in the Greek. Now, I want to give you some things, and I think you probably want to write these down. I want to talk to you about the revelation of Jesus. And the revelation of Jesus and the Word of God. Okay? Because this is very, very important that we get this. Are you there with me? Okay, pinch your neighbor. Just make sure they're awake. Okay? Somebody shouted, not so hard. All right, so write this one down. Here we go. Jesus is the ultimate expression of, the, of God's Word. Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's Word. We, we, we're looking at how God operates, how Jesus operates, how they function in their authority, how they exercise their authority. And we're learning about God's Word as being the way God uses His authority. Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's Word. Here's another one. Jesus is the revealed Word of God. He is the revealed Word of God. Now, we have the Bible breathed by the Holy Spirit. We have that in written form. But Jesus Himself is that Word revealed. Let me give you another one. Jesus is the revelation and manifestation of God's Word in the visible realm. That's a physical or natural realm. So when we see Jesus, He is the revelation and the manifestation in life of God's Word in the visible realm. This is the realm we live in. This is the natural realm that we live in, the physical realm. Jesus is the Word of God alive. When we see Jesus, we have the Word of God alive. Now, you need to spend time meditating on what I've written down there for it to sink in. I don't expect you to catch it the first time you hear it, all right? So just spend time thinking about it, and you'll see what I'm saying. So let me give you Scripture to back up what I just said. We go to John chapter 1 and verse 1. Are you still with me? Okay, take a deep breath. All right, good. So John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In the beginning was the Word, right in the very, very, very beginning. And the Word was with God, and then the Word was God. So when I'm telling you that Jesus is the revelation, manifestation of the Word of God, we see right here that He's God. The Word is God. And He was there in the very, very beginning. He wasn't created. He was there in the very, very beginning. And then the Word created all things. See that? Nothing that exists in this world was not created through Jesus. Father God and Jesus got together. Father told Jesus, this is what we're going to do. Jesus spoke it, and the Holy Spirit moved on the face of the deep to make it come to pass. Had Jesus not spoken it, Holy Spirit couldn't have moved. The Holy Spirit reacted to what Jesus said. Jesus did and said what He and the Father had agreed on. Are you with me so far? All right? If you lose me, just raise your hand. And then ask your neighbor, where am I? 
Verse 14. Fast forward to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So who is it talking about? Who is this Word that's been spoken about in John chapter 1? It's Jesus. He came and made His dwelling with us. The Word became flesh. So the Word that was in the very beginning with God, that was God, became flesh, came to this earth, and was born through Mary. The Word became flesh. So Jesus is the Word of God that God sent to solve His problems and man's. Remember I said He sends His Word to solve our problems? So Jesus is the Word He sent. We've also found out that God's Word is impossible of returning to Him void or empty, that it must accomplish, which means it's impossible for Jesus to fail. His Word cannot return to Him void. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Now, here's something else you might want to write down. Just tell me if you get right as cramp. Are we ready? God releases His power and authority with words. That's the summary of what we've been saying up until this point. We're trying to find out how God operates. How does He function? How does He release His authority? Through words. And here's another one. God controls directs, creates, and establishes His will. Go ahead, put it up for me. And establishes His will and purpose by speaking it out. Now read that out slowly. God controls, directs, creates, and establishes His will and purpose by speaking it out. If God wants something done, He says it. If God wants to create something, He says it. If God wants to His will to be established and His purposes to be established in the earth, He says it. Are you, are you with me now? You see, God is a speaking spirit. And we are created in His image. We are speaking spirits. We are not flesh. We live in flesh. But we are not flesh. We are a spirit that speaks. The only other spirit that is able to speak are angels. But angels are limited in what they can say without authority being given to them. They are not allowed to choose their own words. They are messengers that have to speak what God told them. But you, my dear friend, creating God's image, can choose any word you want to speak just like God. And you're the only created being in earth and in the universe, the only one that is created in the image of God, that can speak. And you see, I'm ahead of myself. I'm really thinking about next week's sermon because it's prepared, but I can't stop myself. <laughs> that is what Satan's trying to get after you. He's trying to get the ability to speak. He's trying to get your ability to speak. And that is how we yield our authority to him, by yielding our mouth to him. Okay, that's coming next Sunday, so don't miss it. We'll embroider that one next week. Yes, number three. The future God desires is established by His words. Think about that. 
What God wants to come to pass, the future He desires, He establishes that future by speaking words. Now, how does Jesus operate in His authority? How does He exercise His authority? The same way His Father did. Exactly the same way His Father God did. He followed everything Jesus, Jesus followed everything the Father did. Exactly the same way. How did Jesus stop the storm? Yep. Look, in, in Mark 4, 41, we'll move quickly because you know this. They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Because he'd already said to the wind, hush, be still. And it obeyed him, told the waves to wind. So how did he calm the storm in his life? Spoke to it. He learned this from his father. He was there with his father all the time, though the word spoke to it. How did Jesus deal with demons? Spoke to them. Jesus, demons obeyed him. Look. In Mark chapter 1, verse 27. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this new doctrine? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And in Mark 1, 25, he said, Be quiet. In other words, shut up. <laughs> Jesus said it sternly. It wasn't just like, please be quiet. It was with a loud voice. It was a stern rebuke. Be quiet. Come out of him. Come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. In Mark 5 verse 8, and Jesus said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And I could give you many, many more. I'm just trying to give you a few that you could see this is what Jesus did. So Jesus spoke to evil spirits. Told them, Remember, Jesus told us, Go in my name and cast out spirits. They did not say so. So how are we supposed to cast out spirits? In His name. We tell the Spirit to come out in His name. Just Jesus told us to. Jesus healed the sick by speaking words. In Matthew 12, verse 13. He said to the man, He said to the man, Stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. And so He did. And He stretched it out and was completely restored, just like the other one. In John 5, 8. Then Jesus said to him, Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, picked up his mat and walked. How did, he, how did Jesus work the miracle? He spoke out what he wanted to come to pass. He said, pick up your mat and walk. I mean, the guy could have turned around and said, you walk. I'm lying here on a mat, man. You can see I can't walk. What is the matter with you? This is, this is just wrong that you do this. Where's your love? If you, if you love me, you'd lie down here next to me and pacify me. You'd bring me some water and food. You'd tell me to do something I can't do. Well, you'd still be lying there on your mat, Bubba. He said, get up. Get up. See, sometimes you minister to the sick. People around you get upset with the way you talk to them. But maybe we're not talking to the, the, the sick person as much as to the sickness. Jesus raised the dead. With words. You remember this? Lazarus in John eleven forty three, When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. Not a timid voice. Not a shy, sheepish voice. Not in a whisper. He said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And you know why he said Lazarus? 
Because if he didn't, all the dead would have come out. Everybody said, oh gosh, look at this, we've got a crowd. Any of you got fish and bread? We've got to feed these people. So he said, Lazarus, come out. And guess what happened? The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. So Jesus used words to release his power and authority. We've got it? Father did, Jesus did. And you see, this is what explains why Jesus said about the centurion that he had the greatest faith in Israel. Let's read the story real quick because we'll see here that this centurion understood that faith was connected to the operation of authority. He understood that through the exercise of authority, faith is released. Watch in Matthew 8 and verse 8. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve for you to come under my roof, coming to heal my servant, but just say the word. Watch that. Just say the word. Now, based on what we've studied so far this morning, you go, boy, you're right on. You're right on. He said, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am under a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go. And he goes. And I tell that one, come. And he comes. And I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. He understood the speaking of words is how you release authority and a power. Centurion saw this, and he said to Jesus, man, just go ahead and say it. And when Jesus heard this, he was astonished. And he said to those following, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Are you listening to me, church? You're wanting to operate in great faith. You're wanting to know how to release your faith, authority, and power. Watch what the centurion did and how Jesus recognized it. All the centurion did was say, Jesus, just say it. Done deal. Just say it. I say things. I speak to my dog and it listens. Sometimes. I speak to my children and they listen. Sometimes. I speak to my wife. She listens. Sometimes. I write enough of it. But... Jesus, if you speak, we listen. The dead will listen. The sick will listen. So Jesus, speak. So do you understand how important it is? Words, the releasing of authority and with power. So do you remember Jesus said about John the Baptist that he was the greatest prophet? I kept on praying, so why is he the greatest prophet of all the prophets of the Old Testament? How is it? And I feel that this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. Because he was the first prophet to identify Jesus as the Lamb of God, to identify him as the one who will be the Messiah, who is the Messiah, who will die and take the sins of the world. He was the first one to identify there is the Lamb of God. And he also was the first one to say that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He said that. And you know what else he said? He said, I'm a voice. He could have said, I'm words. He could have said, I'm just speaking words about the Messiah. I'm just speaking words. He is the lamb that's taking the sin of the world. And Jesus turned around and said, that guy, he's got it. He's got it. See, he's speaking words about me. 
about being the Messiah, about the Lamb of God. And guess what? He spoke into being the purpose and plan of God. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He spoke out God's plan. God's put words in his mouth for God's plan and purposes to come to pass in the earth. And John the Baptist spoke it out. Are you there? Gone home yet? Still listening? All right. Okay, good. We have just one more hour to go. I hope you bought lunch. If you don't, whoever bought it, we can multiply it. In Jesus' name. Amen. So now how did the disciples, how did the apostles operate, function in, and release and exercise the delegated power given to them, the delegated power and authority given to the church? They part of the church. How did they do it? Well, just like Father God, just like Jesus, they did exactly the same thing. They didn't try and come up with a new method of doing something. They didn't come up and say, well, let's formulate some kind of a plan to do it, get a committee together called the Authority and Power Committee, and then we'll vote on it and see what we should do. And let's pray for unity. No. That's not what he said. Peter and John did exactly what they did. How did they heal the sick? They spoke to the sick. They raised the cripple up by speaking to the cripple. Quickly, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, a crippled man from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put there every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And Peter looked straight at him and said, and said to John, uh, as John did, uh, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Fast forward, verse 6. Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. My wife has it. But <laughs> silver and gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you. What I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Jesus had said, heal the sick in my name. Did he not? He had seen Jesus heal the sick by speaking to them. So Peter says, what I've got, I have got insight and revelation and understanding on how to get you healed. I have seen my master Messiah, Jesus, heal the sick, and there's going to be no difference with you. Because he told me that he got all authority and power, and he said I should go. In that name. And he gave me his name to use, and he said, I'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I'm doing what my master said, and I'm putting words in my mouth that he gave me to speak. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up. Stand up and walk. That's all it was. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk, and when uh, they went into the temple courts. He was walk, walking, jumping, and praising God. Hallelujah. Love it. Peter raised the dead as well, just like Jesus did. He raised Tabitha from the bed. Tabitha, wherever you, how you pronounce it. Some say Tabitha. Some say Tabitha. I'll call her Dorcas. In Acts 9.36, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. I'll go with Dorcas. <laughs> Who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Fast forward to verse 40. Peter sent everybody out the room. 
He got down on his knees and he prayed. And then turning to the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. Now you see, most of us would have spent four hours, five hours fasting and praying, formed a circle, sand down, come by ya, around the person, and we'd have been quoting scriptures, doing stuff and doing stuff and doing stuff, and then laying on of hands and spitting and rubbing her eyes and doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah? Yeah? Finding cloths, covering her in cloths, soaking her body in oil. But none of us would have said, get up. That's it. Forget all this praying stuff. Get up. See, we make such a big deal out of it as if it has something to do with us. It is not us. It's the words in our mouth that we got from Jesus. Get up. And she opened up her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up and he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers, the widow, and presented her alive. Okay, last one and we're done. Paul cast out demon spirit with words in Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So fortune telling is a demon spirit. Are you hearing me? All right, so don't be going to fortune tellers. The demon spirit is operating in that person. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling us the way to be saved. Was she telling the truth? Yes, she was. So sometimes fortune tellers can tell the truth. It's not always a lie. Sometimes they can tell the truth, but not necessary, not necessary about your future. She was telling the truth about what she was seeing right there, right then. Right. See, fortune tellers don't know the future. Not even the demons know the future. If the devil knew the future, he wouldn't have crucified Jesus. How dumb can you be and still breathe? Jesus, being crucified, nailed him. Punched his lights out. So, he says, She kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled, he turned around and he said to the Spirit, not to the woman, he said to the Spirit occupying her, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. You notice that Paul did exactly what Peter and John did. They said, in the name of Jesus Christ, do this. The authority was in the name of Jesus Christ. But they had to speak the words. This woman was following Paul and Silas for days. For days she was in the church service. They were out preaching, evangelizing, and she was in there prophesying. She was one of the major prophesiers. These people are telling you the way to get saved. Go ahead, sister. Go ahead. These people are telling you how to get saved. Listen to what they're saying. Oh, preach it, sister. Preach it. Wait a minute. Come out of her. How many of you would have done that? You didn't, wouldn't recognize there was a demon there because it sounded like you were telling the truth. You thought it was part of the choir. So you had to have discernment. But how did he get the demon spirit out? Spoke to the demon spirit and he said in the name of Jesus Christ come out of her, and instantly came out. They didn't do a seven-hour fast. They didn't get five people together. They didn't plead the blood over the building, find something to do, something else, and get around. So, this one is so difficult to get out. No, no, no. Just come out in Jesus' name. 
That's how you cast demons out. Come out in Jesus' name. Don't give the demon any power it doesn't have. Anything you surrender, anything you surrender gives the demon the power. It doesn't have it. In the name of Jesus, come out. That's the end of the story. Okay? My time is up for today. So, we, we're moving along. We, we're moving along. I hope I didn't lose too many of you as we go because it was pretty deep. Okay? You might have to go and listen to it again to, uh, again, to get some notes from it. Okay? But we'll continue next week, unless the rapture occurs. We'll continue next week, because what I want to get from here is we've, we've looked at how God operates, how Jesus operates, how the disciples, apostles operate, but I want to get to how we operate. And I've kind of just, you know, put on the bait a little bit, i give you some insight, but there's so much that I'm going to share with you, I guarantee you, at P3, I, I had a mental vision of two doors and a stairwell. And I saw the door at the bottom being closed, and then there were stairs, and then there was a door at the top. And the Lord was saying, said to me, I believe you're saying to me, is that today, as I share this word, the bottom door will open. Because the revelation of God's word will come to you, it will open the door, and then we will begin to walk up the stairs. One, stairwell, one step at a time, God's, Jesus is going to take our hand by the Spirit. We're going to walk up. As we go up the stairs, it's going to be revelation upon revelation. And when we get to the top, the doors will open on their own. When we get to the top, the doors will open. And then we'll begin to function in the power and authority that God wants us to function. And it's not going to be difficult. You can understand from what I'm saying so far, it's not difficult. Okay? It's not difficult. It's actually very easy. But you need to, ha- uh, you need to get the understanding of the power and authority that's been given to us and how easy it is to operate in that. How easy it is. So we're going to get to that next Sunday. We'll keep going. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the revelation of your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us today that we might walk in the victory that you want us to have. Holy Spirit, you're the great teacher, the great comforter. You give us the mind of Christ. You are the author. Breathe the word of God into being so that we can gain knowledge and understanding and we can live in the victory that you want us to live in. Father, you've made it so easy for us, so easy to understand your ways that we might have the victory. Lord, I pray for every person here today that this word would find a hiding place in their heart. We take authority of any demonic spirit that would like to steal this word from them. We resist that. We bind it. We will not permit it in Jesus' name. But Lord, my heart goes out to people who are sitting here or listening online who have never made Jesus Lord of their life. They know about you, Lord, but they've never asked Jesus to come in their life and be Lord, surrender their life to you. So while I'm praying, Holy Spirit, would you help them to do that even today? Every eye is still closed. Friend, I believe God brought you here. There's no accidents and coincidences in God. He brought you here so He could speak to you. I know it was a complicated message, but I believe the Spirit of God spoke to your heart and you realized, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus that the Bible speaks about. I know about Him, but I need some things torn down, taken out of my life, some things built up. But most importantly, 
you need to surrender your life to Jesus and ask Jesus to be your Savior. Believe that He shed His blood on the cross and was raised from the dead. Make Him your Lord today. The most important decision you'll ever make. Make Him Lord. Now, while I'm praying this prayer, if you want me to include you in the prayer, I'm going to pray for those who raise their hands. Just raise your hand where you're seated, and I'm going to pray for you today. And God will touch your life. Thank you for raising your hands. I can see. Just keep it up in a moment. Keep your hand up in a moment. God's going to cause a, a dramatic change to happen in your life. You're going to believe with all of your heart God's going to do it. Before I pray, just one more time. Is there anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? This is for you. This is just for you. Father, I pray for those who've raised their hands. Such a moment. Such a precious moment. Lord, you're doing something so special in their heart. Lord, raising their hand is an indication that they want more of you. They want Jesus. They want to be saved. They want to go to heaven. They want to turn their ways around, give up the life of sin, receive your righteousness. And I believe today you're drawing them with faith to the cross. They might receive the life of God. In Jesus' name. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm going to have my prayer team, ministers, come on down here. Ministering team, come down. If you raised your hand for that prayer, I'm going to ask you to come on down and find somebody about your age and gender, and they're going to pray more with you. So come on down. And if you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit this morning, would you come on down as well? Ask somebody to pray with you and you will receive. And if you need healing or pray for anything, you come on down as well and we're going to pray for you. So come on down real quick. Let's give them a real warm hand clap as they come on down. Thank you. God bless you. Come on down. Just come on down. We love you and this is an opportunity for you to get prayer. Come on down. If you raised your hand, Please be bold enough to come down. And if you would like to receive the Holy Spirit, you can come down. Can we turn the music up just a little? And if you need healing for anything, would you come down as well? We're going to pray for you too, real quick. Come on down. Give us a few minutes of ministry, would you? Give us a few minutes of ministry. Join us in the congregation. Please stay hooked in. Stay linked in with us. Don't mentally, don't mentally leave. This is what it's all about. We've had a good meal today. We've feasted in the Word. Now we want to see some fruit. Amen? We want to see the results. So please, don't disengage. Don't disengage. Stay with us. Stay with us. Pray for these people. God is doing something. God is doing something quickly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're doing. Praise the wonderful name of Jesus. Praise the wonderful name of Jesus. Lord is so good. 
Lord is so good. His purposes and plans are being fulfilled in these people's lives. Right now, right now, His plans and purposes are being fulfilled. They're moving on in God. They're moving on in God. They're going to a new level. God is doing things in their life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the life of the believers in the congregation. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just give them a few more minutes. Thank you for staying engaged. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you not breaking the anointing that's in here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just imagine it may be your sister, your mother, your daughter, your uncle, your father being prayed for. And you would want God to do a miracle for them. Maybe it was your wife or your husband. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. Thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're almost done. Just give us one more minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So while they're wrapping that up, uh, we, it's a sad day as well for us. Dave and Teresa are leaving for New Mexico. This is their last service. They leave, actually get in the car, and they drive away right now. And we're going to pray for them. I'm going to ask them to come forward here. We love them. They've been in the church a long time. They're graduates from our Bible school. They've served in the church as life group leaders. Come and stand right here. Let's find a place for you. And I'm going to have the pastors gather around with me as soon as they're ready. Pastor Cindy, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, we're going to go ahead and pray for them. Commit them to the Lord. They, you love them. I know that you've had uh, farewell parties for them, and so we love them with all of our hearts. And just dear, dear people, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that, the, that they ministered to the promised church while they were here. And, Lord, we were able to minister to them. Thank you for the life that was imparted to them, the teaching of the Word of God that was imparted to them. Thank you for the growth that they had in you. And Father God, as we release them, we bless them. We thank you for the, the, the wisdom of God that goes with them and angels go before them to protect them in all their ways. As you prosper them in their retirement. 
And we just thank you, Lord, for this friendship that's been formed with so many people at the promise. Lord, even though they're leaving to go to New Mexico, we believe the promise will always be their home church. Thank you, Lord. We love them. We send them out. Thank you, Lord, for their servant hearts, their warmth and their love, their willingness, their faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. You want something to say? No? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that this is, this is not the, the end. This is just goodbye for now. Thank you, Lord. It's a see you later. See you later. And that uh, God is going to give, as Cindy was praying of you, new visions, new dreams. And, um, you know, he sent his angels ahead of you. And that uh, hopefully we'll see you again. You'll come and visit with us. Definitely. And we all love you so much. Okay? Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. All right. They'll be around to say goodbye, shake hands, love on you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for coming out. Oh, I'm going to miss you, brother.